0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast. It has been a while since I have talked to you guys, plenty going on, Uh, just kind of trying to hit the high points of some things right now uh, before kind of taking a deeper dive into certain things. We will start off with signing day. It was a big day yesterday as all 10 high school commits signed with the Mustangs, including a handful of their transfer commits signing already. Um, Just a a quick breakdown of this class uh, as we get into it. It's a really nice class. I talked about uh, probably a little too much how I liked last year's class. and this year's class uh, is very much similar, I think, uh, in a whole lot of ways. I think they got, uh, outside of Derek McFaul, who is a four-star uh, rated player, I think they got a lot of four-star players at three-star prices. Um, I mean, Brandon Booker, Kandavian Dotson, Speedy, Kinglar. I mean, top to bottom, uh, I think the fact that Aronson is a is an 84 uh could turn out to be a, a criminally low rating for him. Zach Smith being an 85, I mean, just watch the kid play uh, and watch what uh, he did to help elevate uh, that Red Oak defense the last two years. Uh, I think Jalen Moses might be a, a sneaky good addition. Um, I think both uh, King Large and Graham on the offensive line are guys that are going to have a chance To really develop into something, they're going to benefit by having a very veteran offensive line uh, this coming year to be true freshmen behind, to not be forced into anything. If they play their way into playing on some special teams, uh, getting some late game stuff, great. Uh, But they're not going to be uh, thrown into a fire that they're certainly not ready for yet. Um, I think you see a little bit of the ACC influence uh, here. You know, obviously, uh, you got McFall, Booker, and Nettles who were all flips, uh, from Power Five schools, uh, all deciding to stay home and close to home. Um, I think, uh, you know, Dotson, uh, certainly committed, uh, well before, um, All of this uh, really hit, but, you know, I mean, he commits about a week, a month and a week before the official ACC offer, Um, you know, that was kind of in the height of the, you know, Pac-12 deal happening. I think that was very much so um, a this is going to happen sooner or later kind of piece there. Um, I love the fact that you've got a Tyler Aronson who's been committed since july of twenty two um had his position coach leave uh, just before signing day, said didn't matter, never wavered. You've got uh, Derek McFall, whose position coach left a little right before his uh, signing day ceremony. Uh, it was a little longer before actual signing day. um but, you know, he said he he trusts in the in the school and the staff that's back in the system uh for what it is. I think that says a lot about what Coach Lashley, uh all the assistant coaches, all the, the recruiting and support staff do. Um that yeah, there is that primary uh recruiter, that primary coach on those things. There's the position coach, but they've really sold SMU as a whole and this football program as a whole, and not just, hey, come play for this. Uh, position coach or or for this guy that there is is definitely more to it uh there i think what you end up getting uh with all of these guys is definitely a chance um to see some playing time early i think um top to bottom uh, these are guys who could play as true freshmen. I think if Tyler Aronson is playing for you uh as a true freshman, that's probably a problem. Um, you know, unless it's a situation like Keldrick got into a couple games that were just absolute uh blowouts. Um kind of the same thing with your offensive linemen. Um, but you know, I see uh I mean, just walk the list. Alexander Rogers, Zach Smith, Jalen Moses. William Nels, Kadavian Dotson, Brandon Booker, Derek McFaul. I can see all of those guys, uh, seeing time on the, on the football field as true freshmen. The beauty is with what this team has returning, with what they've already gotten in the transfer portal and might still get out of the transfer portal, they don't need to. Uh, it's not a situation where they're going to be put in bad situations. Um, so I really like, uh, that ability for them to develop, um, but yeah, let's talk about these guys. I'm going to try to generally go in their commitment date order. Um, there were a couple guys that were close that I might switch around, but uh, that obviously has a starting with Tyler Aronson uh, out of Vero Beach, Florida. Um, a guy who got on Coach Lashley's radar when he was down at Miami, uh, recruited him there. That carried over to him getting the head job here, and uh, Aronson committed to SMU before. Uh, Lashley had uh, coached a game uh, as the head coach uh, here at SMU uh, so I think that says something about uh, some some bonds and some trusts that were formed very early uh, you know in talking to him uh, you know when he made that commitment back then to his official visits to uh, his signing you know I, I think there's uh, a level headed kid who's got a really high ceiling you know I think he's still kind of uh, growing into his his frame a little bit I think a, a couple years with coach Grizz is gonna do him well to uh, get bigger in the right places trim down in the right places uh, like uh, coach Lashley said uh, when he talked about the guys that signed uh, yesterday you know talked about you know he's not really going to be your dual threat type quarterback he's not going to be a, a run guy he's not you know even to the extent that Preston is Um, but he is athletic and you can be you know athletic without necessarily and mobile without necessarily being that dual threat or or real run ability Uh, quarterback Um, I think his arm strength is really good Uh, I think, you know, being in college, you know, now he's going to be coached uh, by Derek King, uh, who was named as the new quarterbacks coach. You know, I think that there's a lot that he's going to do in these first couple years where he really can grow uh, as a quarterback. Um, You know, obviously not as as highly uh, touted as Preston was, but I do think those two years um, of Preston watching uh, Tanner Mordecai, I think, did a lot for his development. I think for Tyler, he's going to have a chance for one to two years to watch Preston for one to two years to watch Kevin. um, And even Keldrick Uh, and sure, they're all different quarterbacks, but to, to see kind of how they do things and how they operate, not just in the offense, but also their preparation. Uh, And I think that's great. Uh, I also think it's great that in a world where, Everybody is kind of jumping on those transfer quarterbacks and hey, SMU was that school for a long time and those transfer quarterbacks did a ton of good uh, for this school and this program and, you know, it was great to get guys that had transferred from Texas and Oklahoma and were, you know, four and five star recruits out of high school and it was great to get those kinds of guys the second time around, but man, to really be able to build a room like your quarterback's room uh, from the inside and do it internally. Um, means a ton to, you know, Preston Stone next year will be going into his fourth year in this program. Uh, it will be his third year in coach Lashley's offense for Kevin. It will be his third year in this program, his third year in coach Lashley's offense. Calder cluster will be his second year, second year in this offense. You see where I'm going with this. Um, I think there's a lot to be said, uh, about that. And, you know, uh, again, you know the Shane Bushells, the Tanner Mordecai's. You know, going back Garrett Gilbert. Uh, I'm sure I am missing someone in there that really injected some life and some talent uh, into some of those SMU teams that needed it uh, in a big way. Uh, were big, but I, I think especially at quarterback, that's a a fun position to see get developed and see uh, see those guys grow into into those roles. Um, I believe the next commit uh, was actually uh, Graham Utter uh, out of Bayside Academy in Alabama. Uh, He's a guy, his grandfather uh, was on the swim and dive team at SMU. His head coach uh, for this last season at Bayside Academy uh, has ties to uh, Coach Lashley, Coach Woods. Um, And so that kind of got him into the SMU fold. And he uh was in Dallas for that Under Armour Next camp that they hold. And so he was on campus. I don't believe he went to uh an official practice or anything like that, but was on campus for that. Uh obviously worked out at the, the Under Armour camp. Uh SMU was his first offer. Some other offers came in, but you know, he came on that official visit that Aronson was a part of, uh committed, listed at six five two ninety. Uh, Lashley talked about him being one of those guys that you at the next level aren't quite sure if he is going to be an interior offensive lineman or a tackle. Um, I believe he was rated as an interior offensive lineman. Um, but depending on his growth and, and what, uh, happens over the next year or two, could, uh, be an outside, uh, guy on the offensive line. A lot of upside, you know, again, a guy that's going to, uh, benefit from the veterans on the offensive line. Um, Obviously, uh, Coach Grizz's system uh, that I think we're seeing uh, the rewards of uh, the last couple years with this team. Um, So I think that's a nice pickup with a ton of potential. And then, you know, obviously our our all-name signing day, uh, team addition of King Large, Uh, you know, he is one where When you ask Coach Lashley and a lot of the assistants about what they look for when they're recruiting guys and recruiting certain positions and this and that, a lot of things that they talk about are winners. And sometimes that is, yeah, your record, winning a state title, uh, which those guys will get to. But there's also a program like St. John Bosco that is every year one of, if not the best high school football programs in the country you know that King large has spent his high school years knowing winning is what it's about. You're in a program that teaches how to win that expects to win. And all of that is in the culture. Uh, and so you get that plus you get a a kid that's, uh, six, four, just under 300 pounds can move, uh, is, uh, seen as an offensive tackle, uh, definitely at the next level. Um, and I think that he's another guy. I think, but both him and Graham um, are going to be able to take a step and develop and and do some things that I think will benefit them further down uh, the road. And that's that's kind of what you want. You want these guys to have that chance. Um, you know, Coach Lashley talked on our our signing day story about you know gone sort of are the days where you come in and expect to redshirt uh, they want guys to come in and expect to play, uh, as true freshmen. Uh, and he did kind of say though, that offensive line and quarterback are probably the two positions where there is still some of that development. Um, there is, especially at quarterback, there's, you know, there's only one of them on the field and you're not necessarily rotating, uh, guys every time. Uh, so you're probably going to wait your turn a little bit there, uh, an offensive line, even with the rotation that, uh, coach justice has shown that he likes to do over the last couple of years, uh, they return bodies and have added a couple bodies that will be in that rotation that won't necessarily force those guys into things early. Uh, but are definitely high potential guys that again, I think are, are steals at, at three stars, uh, for this program. Um, also on that official visit, Zach Smith, uh, linebacker out of Red Oak. I think he might be my favorite out of this class. Um, you know, you see the way, um, you just, again, you look at what Red Oak has done the last two seasons. You know, they make a deep playoff run last year. Uh, this year was the first time they've ever gone 10 and O, uh, in a regular season. Uh, you go to his signing day, you listen to his coaches talk about him. um, you know, that staff has been there really for three years um, The with their head coach taking over uh, mid-season last year, I believe uh, Coach Robinson did, um, but he was on staff already. But just to listen to them talk about the growth of Zach Smith from them coming in his sophomore year till now, you know, I mean, talking from a stat side of things the most prolific defensive player they've had at that school and that school does have some good history um you watched he was a guy i went to their regular season finale um, against midlothian high uh and zach was one of the guys who kind of was in a bracket situation of bryant wesco the the five-star receiver uh who signed with clemson uh, and is probably going to do a lot of really, really good things uh, in college. Uh, but Zach was one of the guys that was kind of a, a bracket defender on him with a defensive back, and they shut him down the whole game. I will say Midlothian was using uh, its backup quarterback, and that can sometimes have something to do with it, but they never let him get going. They never let the backup get uh, anything going uh, rhythm-wise, and they were able to win that game. Um, but I think Zach... Uh, can have an immediate step on campus impact, uh, kind of in the a similar way that Alex Kilgore did this last year. I don't think the linebacker room is quite uh, as thin, uh, obviously with a couple transfer additions as well this this off season. Um, that you know Zach and Brandon, who I'll get to later, uh, might not have as many of those opportunities uh, to step in uh, right away. When you're bringing back Ahmad Walker, when you're bringing back Kobe Wilson, when you're bringing back Alex Kilgore, um, and those type of guys and bringing in the guys that they're bringing from the portal. Um, but I, I have very, uh, I have pretty much no doubt that if they need him to, that, that he can step on the field and, and have a really nice, uh, early impact, uh, for them. Uh, we'll go, uh, stay kind of in that south of, of Dallas area with Cedar Hill. Uh, cornerback Alexander Rogers, um, a guy that I believe was at a DISD school uh, when SMU offered him uh family moved to Cedar Hill. Cedar Hill's in a district, <laughs> and obviously with the, with the split districts and everything else, but 6A is the only district that can say it has two football state champions in it. But uh, when you're playing in a district with DeSoto and Duncanville, Um, it's a, it's a tough road, but, you know, Rogers and that Cedar Hill team, uh, were able to, uh, you know, obviously get a playoff spot, make a, make a couple round, uh, run in the playoffs, I believe as the four seed, but when, you know, your two, your top seeds are, uh, you know, the top two teams in your district are two of the best high school football teams in the country. Uh, even if you're number three or number four. You're still a, a pretty good football uh, team with good football players. Um, again, uh, Cedar Hill is a program that's you know trying to build back up, but has a ton of history of success. Um, it's a program uh, that went up against the best, uh, that went in and competed against the best. They had a a big playoff. I want to say win against South Lake Carroll, um, but. Rogers had some, some big plays in that game. Um, and so I think those are the types of things that they see is, you know, all of the camp stuff and some of the measurables are big, but they want to see you, how you compete against the best. And I think they liked what they saw in Rogers and correcting myself, their game against South Lake Carroll was, uh, very early in the season and was a, uh, lopsided Uh, loss although not as uh, lopsided as Southlake did to quite a few teams Um, so uh, you know in the playoffs made a a four round playoff run losing to DeSoto Uh, again in the playoffs you know their game against DeSoto in the regular season was only a 35-13 game Um, so there are some things there that obviously you know Cedar Hill isn't quite what it what it used to be, but it's trying to get back there, and and this season was a step in the right direction, and and Rodgers was a part of that for them. As we keep going, uh, let's just stay in the secondary with it. Let's just talk a little bit about Jalen Moses, safety from Carrollton Newman Smith. Um, he's a guy. We've got him listed at five ten one seventy. He's bigger than that. Uh, I stood next to him when I talked to him at. Uh, his signing day party with with Speedy on Wednesday night um and and he's got some some more size to him I think the most telling thing about him was uh, with coach Lashley talking about these guys you know coach Lashley said when when Ricky Hunley and Scott Simons went to watch him play they talked about how well he fits in the system and I think there's something to be said about that is that You're not going, you don't want to have to ask players to do something they're not comfortable doing. And at the end of the day, the best way to do that is to just ask them to be themselves and to do what they do. And when you can marry a player who does something really well with a defense that that's what they ask their safety to do, I think you're in a really nice situation there. Um, Again, uh, kind of like offensive line safeties with uh, Jonathan McGill. Uh, officially announcing he's coming back. Brandon Crossley using the red shirt from from some injury issues this year to come back next year. You know that's a room that's going to be very veteran and deep. But then the next year, uh, will obviously lose a lot. And I think that's where where Jalen Moses uh can really step up in a in a big way uh to kind of go under those guys' wings. You know who wouldn't want to learn uh, how to play a position uh from a guy like Jonathan McGill. Uh learn to, you know, maybe talk a little trash from a guy like Brandon Crossley. Learn how to just put your nose down, grind, work hard uh from anybody like an Isaiah Wakobia. Um, you know, even some of the un- younger guys uh that are in that room, like an Ahmad Moses, uh, that's now been in that room for a couple years. So just a great opportunity uh for him there. Um, staying in the secondary staying in South Dallas, Kadavian Dotson. This was a big pickup. He was SMU's highest rated uh, recruit in this class for a long time. He was kind of, I mean, and this isn't anything against uh, any of the other commits, um, but he's kind of what took this from a, a pretty nice, good looking class to a class where you you do get excited about it, and I think, uh, you know, anytime you're getting a guy who uh, has been with a program like Duncanville, who has been on the field for a program like Duncanville, who, you know, a couple of days before signing day gets the interception that helps seal that back-to-back state title win um, is big. I think, With him at 5'11, probably closer to six foot at this point. Just getting a long, rangy safety uh, who competes. Uh, You know, that was something Coach Lashley talked about. Just that kind of hates to lose, loves to win, you know, can be doing anything and can turn it into a competition and is going to take it seriously and is going to want to win it. Uh, You know, those are the guys you want at safety because. There's a lot of stuff that you ask safeties to do uh, in the college game now. I mean, they've got to be cover guys. They've got to be run stoppers. They've got to be, you know, pass defenders. They've got to be hard hitters. And so you want a guy who has the mentality and mindset of bring it on. Every snap, whatever my assignment is, that's my challenge, and I'm going to beat you uh, at that challenge. Um, So I think bringing in somebody like that is huge. Uh, for what this program wants what it can be what it's building uh, and that's big Uh, and then obviously the the three uh, latest additions to this whole thing were the three guys who are committed elsewhere and who Lashley said honestly the ACC move probably helped you're looking at guys who are power five talent and wanted to play against other power five talent for themselves, for scouts, for all of it. Um, And then it just so happened that they can do that in their own backyard, and that's what they wanted to do. Um, You know, in guys like Speedy uh, and Derek, SMU felt like they were there the first time through. They felt like they had a really good shot to get that commitment the first time through. Ended up not happening. Ended up getting them kind of, uh, and not even really the second chance round cause that's kind of how you talk about transfers, but really, um, you know, kind of chance one B, uh, or one C a little bit there. Um, you know, and a little bit with Braden Booker, I mean, Booker was at SMU spring game, uh, just before his, uh, commitment to Baylor and then to Stanford, uh, and then now to, uh, SMU, um, but you know, these are the guys where I think you do see that ACC influence. So I don't know if it's necessarily a whole class thing, but it's definitely kind of that, that turn uh, of the page a little bit that I think you see it a little bit there in the high school class. I think you definitely see it again with the transfer class. And then you, all you have to do is you just look at the 2025 high school class already, uh, and know where it is. Uh, but kind of, breaking these guys down a little bit uh we'll start with Brandon Booker again linebacker played a ton of games for DeSoto's Been DeSoto's leading tackler the last two years when DeSoto has won the state title the last two years um ended up getting a a touchdown off of a a lateral off of a block um in that title game just domination from DeSoto um Already has good size and is probably going to get a little bigger. Um, I think very much so, like Zach Smith, like Alex Kilgore a year ago. If they need him to play day one on campus, he can play day one on campus uh, at the collegiate level uh, and have success. I don't know that they're going to have to ask him to do that. I don't think they're going to have to ask him to do it. I think you might see... Booker and uh, Zach Smith in more that uh, Brandon Miazono role from this last year, where a lot of special teams and then some late game stuff. Um, But that linebacker room is just so good, and Coach Crum has so much to work with. Uh, And you saw what he did with the group, uh, kind of bringing that group together uh, this year. You know, with uh, some transfers, a true freshman, uh, a guy making a position change, and that group uh, just continued to be a a strong point of the defense. I think Booker uh, just adds another layer to that uh, with size, with speed, with skill, uh, with again that winner's mentality, that winner's expectation uh, that's really going to lend something uh, strong to this program moving forward. You then get Derek McFall, which his was always an interesting recruitment. Um, a lot was made about the fact that he plays, uh, or at least played, some seven-on-seven stuff out in California uh, for someone who has some UCLA ties. Uh, some people never really thought that was a strong commitment. Uh, you know, there was stuff where he wanted to take an official visit during the season. Apparently, that's not a that's a a chip. that wasn't a Derek McFaul thing. It was a Chip Kelly thing. Um, he doesn't like doing official visits during the season. They were going to bump his official, uh, to December. He kind of said from the beginning, he was going to take some officials elsewhere. SMU ended up being one of those places. Uh, and from what I understand is internally, uh, the decision was made pretty quickly, uh, after that visit that, uh, SMU was going to end up being the place for him. Um, it took a little while for it to uh, become official with you know letting the UCLA coaches know he wasn't going to go there and decommit and then commit to SMU. But um, just a guy, uh, I love the analogy of he's kind of Roderick Daniels Jr. in reverse. Uh, Roderick is a wide receiver who is big in the return game and can play a little running back for you. I think Derek McFaul is a running back who can be big in the return game and can play a little receiver for you. Um, I think he's a versatile guy. I mean, he was Tyler High's leading receiver, played for an All-America wide receiver uh, this past year and his head coach uh, over there with the Lions. Um, So, you know, the fact that he was able to do that, I think says a lot about him. I think this is a running back room that is... Has the potential to just be so good. Obviously, Rooster would have the choice that if he wants to forego uh, his last season uh, and try and make that jump after the bowl game, he could. I'm not hearing any noise that that is the case. I would expect him to be back. LJ Johnson's going to be back. Um, I would expect Kamar Wheaton to be back. You know, he's certainly still got some things to clean up. Um, as far as injuries go and as far as some of the school side of stuff goes, but you see it when he's on the field, uh, he's a game changer. You add McFall to that. I mean, that's a, that's a running backs room that whoever ends up being the next running backs, uh, coach is going to have plenty to work with. Um, you know, uh, Talked about a little bit by with bringing uh, Jalen Knighton and LJ Johnson in last year, but game changer, you know, that kind of guy that get the ball in his hands and let him go make a play and change the game for you with the ball in his hands. Uh, and that takes us to the last one, William Speedy Nettles. Um, you know, who I think is such an interesting uh, thing and we'll, and we'll see what what happens in the next four years. SMU has been on him from the start. I know Ricky Hundley really likes uh, his game, his body type. Um, SMU was his first offer. Um, came down to SMU, Purdue, in Nebraska. You know, obviously Nebraska with uh, hiring coach Rule and bringing in the former UIL director on the on that staff of on that recruitment staff and everything um, has really tried to make headways into Texas um Purdue has recruited Texas hard uh, over the last few years. Um so that's where he ended up uh committing originally uh to play some Big 10 football up there. Uh another guy where I think SMU winning, the SMU defense looking like it did and the ACC invitation made a difference. And that's okay. You know, we can say that we don't want kids, that that's all they're worried about. But look, this is, a, this is a long game for some of these guys, and if they truly feel like their NFL chances hinge on playing a Power 5 schedule, they're going to have to do that for themselves. What the SMU to ACC did is it allows them to do it right here at SMU. What this last season did was show just how good this football team can be. Uh, and I think that's great. I think this is probably the 10 high school kids that this class will end up being, you know, there's always the possibility, you know, there's always that, you know, kid that was committed and expected to sign yesterday that didn't sign for some reason that, uh, there can be some excitement around, but I think really 10 was kind of a number that they were looking at. They're not losing a ton, uh, to either graduation or the transfer portal, uh, from a scholarship, number-wise, uh, they want to be active in the transfer portal, um, so they didn't want to overdo it on the high school side and, and not give themselves uh, those opportunities. But there's always a chance. If there's not a ton of movement in the portal, if there's a high school kid they like that all of a sudden is available before that February National Signing Day, uh, that all could change. I think 10 is probably where this group stands. We're going to take a quick break um, because I have been talking way too long about this. Uh, I'm going to kind of do a quick hit on the seven transfers who have committed a handful that have signed um, after this break. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast as we go through signing day yesterday. um, Obviously, only four of the seven transfers from this cycle signed, five if you include uh, the punter from Texas, Isaac Pearson, who committed out of the portal last year but was always going to be a spring addition. He signed as well. Uh, I thought it was very telling that the first paperwork that SMU got was from Mike Lockhart, defensive uh, tackle from West Virginia. Um, 6'3", 308, ton of experience. Uh, I think is has the potential to do everything that Jordan Miller did for that defensive line this year, uh, which, again, that defensive tackle, nose tackle position doesn't always – get the stats side of the glory, but you see what a big capable body does in the middle to just open things up for your edge guys and your linebackers, Uh, and Jordan Miller did that, and I think Mike Lockhart's got the ability to do that in a big way. Um, You also had Nate Anderson sign offensive lineman from Oklahoma, you know, former four-star recruit, You know, I'm not going to go on a rant about high school rankings and transfer rankings. I do enough of that uh, in replying to you guys on the board. How the kid goes from a 96 in high school to an 85 as a transfer, I don't know. Um, Didn't play a lot the first couple years. Played a ton this last year. Um, You can never have too many offensive linemen uh, that have that high of a ceiling and, you know, maybe a different scenery, maybe, you know, I think we saw what coach justice, uh, has been able to do with some of these guys, uh, and build that unit just to a elite level. Um, I think Anderson will, will benefit from that. Um, also signing, uh, was Jonathan Jefferson. He is the defensive lineman, uh, from Georgia again, probably going to be, uh, an interior piece uh, for this defense, just a touch under 300 pounds, but 6'3", 295, um, you know, might be more in line with kind of the Elijah Chapman role versus the Jordan Miller role uh, on that defensive line to an extent. Uh, Obviously they'll have to get on campus and, uh, you know, the coaching staff certainly knows way more than we do about how they plan to use these guys and how they fit but he's definitely an interior uh guy that is uh is going to have a chance to to do something uh for this team on this defense. Uh you also had kind of the surprise of signing day a little bit. Uh I had heard that Justin Medlock to SMU uh was likely the move but did not necessarily expect uh the Utah linebacker transfer uh, to commit and sign uh, yesterday. And really his commitment announcement was SMU tweeting out that he had signed. Um, you know, again, a veteran guy, uh, a guy from Texas that they bring back into the state. Uh, you know, that linebacker room, the more depth you add, the better it's going to be. They've added depth through the portal um, with him. Uh, and I think that that's just such a, a big pickup, uh, to get some of those veteran guys, because you can think that your freshmen and some young guys can step in and play right away, but you just don't know. Uh, and so to bring in a guy that you do, uh, kind of know a little bit, um, is, is big for, for this team. And then obviously, uh, like I mentioned, Isaac Pearson, Uh, you know, Australian punter from Texas, uh, transfer sounds familiar. Uh, Ryan Bachevsky has, uh, done quite a good job in that role. The last couple years, uh, he is now out of eligibility. And so, uh, coach Cooper and them went, uh, right back to that UT transfer, Australian punter. Well, and, and got them Isaac Pearson, uh, who will, uh, step in and take over that side of the ball, uh, again, as, uh, Colin Rogers will continue uh place kicking duties. Um obviously the the whole the transfer signing is is a different process with some different guidelines and some different timelines than the high school. Um I don't there is nothing to worry about that not every transfer signed uh yesterday. Uh I think some of those will trickle in the next couple days. Some of them might be the new year um and all of that. Because a lot of it is getting everything finished up at their current slash previous school. Getting everything lined up for SMU and all of that. um, That just sometimes takes a little more paperwork, a little more time, uh, and a little more uh, man hours on uh, than the high school stuff does for guys that have been committed for a while and all of that. So, that's where it stands now. You're looking at your 10 high school signees. Eight transfers, uh, nine if you want to count uh, Pearson with this group. He's kind of in that in-between uh, 2023 transfer class uh, officially, I do believe, since that is when he entered and technically exited the portal. He just couldn't sign until now. Um, and, and we'll see. I mean, I think there are still some places where they could add, but man, you know what their point of emphasis was uh, for this cycle was to reload that defensive line, get some pieces on the offensive line, and then just take some guys that you think can can help you out. I think that's where Ashton Cozart falls in. I think if you've got a four-star receiver who wants to play for you, yeah, sign him up. Then you get Jefferson and Lockhart because uh, you need to feel you need to fill some really big shoes. Uh, and some really big jerseys uh, in the interior of your de- defensive line. Yep, you know uh, Harvey from Miami. And if if you're an edge from Miami and you watch what Elijah Roberts did this last year, I'd say yeah, I'll I'll, I'll take some of that uh, uh, for for wrapping up my college career. Uh, and then you add uh, Mari Abor, probably more linebacker than edge. Uh, obviously, that's what he is in the 24 7 system. Um, and then uh, with medlock, and then your offensive linemen, because you can never have too many offensive linemen. And let's be honest, uh, obviously, both Marcus Bryant and Justin Osborne have a year uh, that they can come back and play. Uh, as far as I know, a decision has not been made for them on that. Therefore, the only graduating offensive lineman that you know of is Hyron White. Um, Obviously, a couple guys have entered uh, the portal. Um, But, you know, you're looking at eight transfers, five defensive players, really four defensive linemen, three defensive linemen. Um, So I think that 18... 18 classes is looking pretty good right now. Things will change as the calendar flips to 2024. Um, obviously the portal will close for new entries, but kids can certainly still get recruited and committed out of the portal. Um, and then of course there will be the new window, uh, in the spring, um, where guys go through spring ball and, and make some decisions about their future. Uh, but yeah, so that's a not-so-quick uh, breakdown of this class. I really like it. I really liked last year's class. I really like this year's class. Um, this year's been a little more fun for me because I haven't been uh, treading water as bad with with some of this stuff uh, as I was a year ago kind of doing it for the first time. Uh, so really got to got to talk with these guys a little more and and hang out with them a little bit more. And, and of course that adds to, to a little bit of bias and you, you think they're good guys and think they're going to be good players, but, but I do, I I think they are. I think, you know, you've got some, some possible steals in this group. I think you've got some guys who are going to play, uh, above their star rating. Um, and I think you've got guys that are going to, uh, have an impact on, on the SMU football program. And I think that's, certainly something you want and i think that's exactly what smu got and so obviously we'll see when they get on campus as of now um i believe your early enrollees uh on the high school side are aronson and smith uh i'll have to go back through and double check uh on that but i think those are your only two early enrollees uh and the rest will come in this summer And, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I think you've got some guys with a, with a chance to do some things and that's always exciting, uh, this time of year. So until next time, uh, thank you and keep listening and pony up.